You'll Die Trying contains sensitive subject matter and conversations surrounding death and dying and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is respectfully advised. It's only fitting today, 9-11, September 11th, 2022, that we recognize those who are no longer with us but forever remembered. There are places all across this country and world where when you walk by, whether it's the memorial in New York City itself or it's the memorial in Davidson County, Tennessee, or wherever you reflect day in and day out where you were that moment. I know where I was and those who lost their lives that day are forever remembered and honored and celebrated. And a caveat to that, of course, will be Queen Elizabeth. I recall where Princess Diana and when she died and where I was. And I recalled where I was during September 11th. And I recall where I was the moment that I heard the news of Queen Elizabeth, just as you recall the moment you experienced such personal loss yourself. Perhaps these three moments the princess's death, September 11th, this day, or the queen's death, perhaps there is a weight that you feel a personal connection to such loss. May you experience comfort in a special way this day, gratitude for what you, I, have, life, opportunity, appreciation for, and memories of those who have gone before us. That is what I hope this day before this episode even begins. So be sure to be sure to stay. Stay tuned. Be sure to follow right here for more funerals and music in this episode where the, the episode we're at. This is a workplace accident. I was just talking to people on TikTok at Nathan Morris Music. Be sure to follow me. Welcome to all of the new listeners here on the podcast. A lot of really interesting things are happening. I am fresh off the boat, not the boat, but fresh out of the vehicle from a weekend with management and with the team. The team is working diligently to prepare the way. There's this old uh, song. I don't know if it's actually old that we heard in church. Prepare the way. Along. I don't even know if that's how it goes. We have a roadmap, and this roadmap has been, it's being solidified this very moment. And next week will be a lot of action items because a lot of really cool stuff are happening, is happening. And you will be seeing, hearing, maybe even reading about it sooner than later, but I wanted to tell the people on on TikTok who are kind of getting the behind the scenes of what this episode is even about before you know, but you're getting ready. 
you're getting ready to know, but before you do that, be sure to subscribe at Nathan Morris Music on TikTok, at Nathan Morris on Insta, at Nathan Morris on Twitter, and of course, find me on YouTube and the Partridge in a Pear Tree. Welcome to YDT, Season 2, Episode 154, a show which pulls back the curtain, takes down the walls brick by brick, and exposes the true hearts of those who are caring for those you love most, even during workplace accidents. Dun, dun, dun. That's how it works. So you just got to see it behind the, behind the scenes. I'm texting with Brent because we're supposed to be recording a song. Yes, music, podcasts, funeral homes, monuments, vaults, and a partridge in a pear tree. Brent's calling me right now. Do I answer it? I will. Hey, Brent, just recording a podcast. How about you say hello to everyone really quickly? Hello, everyone. Okay, there you go. I'll be right back after this, guys. Silly Brent. Silly Brent. Did I? You know, Brent actually just distracted me. Brent, as always, this episode is brought to you by our good old friends at Big Turkey Foot Coffee, our brewers of that delicious brown brew. Get you a cup. Thanks to everyone for heading over to NathanMorrisMusic.com, grabbing some swag. And by swag, I'm talking t-shirts. Yes, who doesn't want to have my face on their chest? Figuratively speaking, everyone, get your heads out of the gutter. Get them out. And of course, our friends at EFF Express Funeral Funding working tirelessly on the back end working with insurance companies to assign insurance policies to cover the balance due, taking the stress really off of the front end, the most important end, so the funeral directors and families can gather, create a celebration that's meaningful, comfortable, and not have that looming balance due. Again, EFF working tirelessly on the back end so we can do what we do best on the front end and caring for those we love most. Head over to expressfuneralfunding.com to learn how... EFF can assist you as you assist those you love and care for. In previous TikTok videos, you may have seen the old care center or embalming room or prep room or preparation room. It was at the time, it housed two porcelain tables for embalming. Now, as people get wider, the porcelain tables absolutely were not sufficient. Porcelain tables were these skinny and yes, porcelain and yes, they did not move tables. They swiveled, but they did not move roll. So they stood still there. Old hoses, old wooden cabinetry. Yes, it was just an old room. A lot of funeral homes across the country are antiquated in this embalming facility space still. There is actually a funeral professionals Facebook group. And when people share their brand new hearses and limos and new lead vehicle photos, there is always someone who says, show me a picture of your prep room. And if you don't understand why, the reason behind that would be because you're willing to invest all this money on the other side of the curtain, but 
the most important, the most holy of holies, this care center goes without any attention, updating of any kind. And I would argue to say a lot of these spaces remain mm, a little disheveled. I mean, I'm not saying they're like dirty, but not organized, maybe. I don't take my word for it. And someone's probably going to ridicule that. And maybe someone's going to be mad that I even said it, but it's true. Ours is very clean. I'm very proud of that. But at this time, it was old and it felt like something out of the 70s. Our prep room actually used to be the, where the flower room is now. And it's hard to think about how this tiny space that is now the flower room was able to care for that many loved ones. But they managed and they did and they were smart enough to, when they added on to the facility, Haley McGinnis in 1966, they also added on a basement underneath. So the original building did still have a basement, which was unheard of in the 1800s, but now the addition has, yes, a basement, which they connected the original and the new, and that's where the new care center and bombing room was, and that is where this story will start. Okay, the picture is painted. You walk in the door. The door used to have this huge red sticker that said biohazard. And that's not what should welcome anybody. We added a nice little plaque that said care center and it was really more aesthetically pleasing to go into and it didn't look like you were going to open the door to a haunted house. The door was a 48-inch wide door, obviously so caskets can come in and out. It was super heavy, super metal. As soon as you open this door, there is the head of one of the two porcelain tables that no longer exist. Actually, veterinarians performed surgeries on these then embalming tables because vets love the porcelain tables that come out of funeral homes. Now you know. If you looked directly to the right of the porcelain table that is facing or essentially the head is at that door that I just walked into, there is yet another porcelain table. If you follow from the head end to the foot end, there is, of course, a drain, which is a sink, which is also, the only way I can describe it is it looks like a mop sink. Again, porcelain. And above that are the embalming machines, which you've seen in previous videos. The table directly in front of the door to enter the care center is where we would primarily place the loved ones for embalming, right? So we would roll the cot into the door to the left of the porcelain table. To the left of the loved one on the cot is this small cabinet which would house our gowns that we would gown up with. We would walk around the loved one on the cot, the head end of the porcelain table to the opposite corner to retrieve gloves and shoe coverings. Yes, we would go from one to the other. Talk about efficiency. Once gloved up, gowned up, masked up, face shield, by the way, and shoe coverings because I never took my suit off or my dress shoes for the longest time. I covered them 
instead. The loved one is placed on the table from the cot, all of the pre-embalming analysis, the pre-embalming, the embalming, the suturing, the washing, all that takes place. Everything is going as planned. Now, upon completing this loved one's embalming, once a loved one is dried off, you then can, of course, move them to the dressing table. In this instance, this loved one stayed on this porcelain table. I take my gloves off, I take my gown off, and shoe coverings, of course, before the gloves. So I'm not touching anything. Of course, that's biohazard, like the front door used to say. As I put the gown into the biohazard laundry, of course, this is a laundered garment that will be reused. But again, there might have been some splash that occurred. So I don't want to touch it with my bare hands. And again, until it's clean. I walked from the biohazard area to a separate room. We called that the dressing room. Now, if you're looking, as soon as you enter the door at the head of the porcelain table and the loved one, you turn left immediately. Your body's left. There is an entryway to this adjacent room. In the adjacent room is the dressing room, yes, but it's also what we call the clean room. It doesn't matter how clean a care center is, you treat it as if there are bodily fluids and mess everywhere. The clean room is where, yes, you wash your hands, you wash your face should something splash upon your chin. You also have a restroom directly connected to the clean room. Also has a clean sink that you can wash your hands and of course a toilet to utilize if need be. I am washing my hands at this time at this very old sink, metal sink handles and nozzle and porcelain sink. It reminds me of, have you ever seen the th that thing you do? Tom Hanks is in the movie and they're at that appliance store. Like everything that that looks like there in that scene is kind of what you can picture this sink to look like. It's huge. It's massive. It has even this like drying area, you know, that you would probably have seen even in a kitchen where they would place their neatly, freshly washed plates and cups. I am washing my hands and there is to the right of this very old, just as old mirror is an automatic soap dispenser. I'm washing my hands very thoroughly. I remember I waved my hands underneath. The soap is dispensed just enough. I don't wash just once. I wash twice because I am obsessive. And once I finish, I am leaning forward in a motion to turn both hot and cold nozzles off simultaneously. These nozzles are old steel, metal, whatever they are, very old sink. But as my father-in-law would say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Meaning, why would we buy another if this works just fine in getting water to your hands, which I agreed with in this instance. 
I leaned forward and I pressed. These are the flap. These weren't the turn, right? You have the turn where it would spin on the top. These were the flaps that were flat that you would pinch and pull forward toward you where the ends of the nozzle and the ends of that little flips would be facing you as you wash your hands. And then you would pinch and push the opposite way to turn the water off. Okay, I take my hands and I push toward the mirror again to make that mirror parallel to that, these flaps. Well, the right, which would be cold nozzle, snapped as I'm pushing forward. I lose my balance, how I am not sure, and I fall forward. In falling forward, I remember and I can feel it, I can hear it this moment. I actually even remember seeing it and it is making me, I'm shutting my eyes right now, very lightheaded. I tore into my wrist from the very bottom of my hand because of the momentum and weight of my body. I continue to push forward and tear the flesh into muscle and into nerves of my wrist down about a solid, at this point, I don't know, it felt like forever. As I caught my balance, I had to remove my wrist by moving my arm away from the nozzle and sink meaning I had to fling or flip my arm to the right so that the now broken handle would dislodge from my wrist that immediately began to bleed. And it bled and bled. And as my heart rate increased, it magically started to bleed in rhythm with my heart, I was a, I was a sprinkler. That is the only way that I can put it. And I always try to be careful in how I tell this story to people because I don't want to sound as if I'm embellishing because I'm not. It was real. As an embalmer at this point, I have just raised numerous arteries on the loved one in the other room. And then the clean room at this moment in time, I have essentially and accidentally made a very similar incision that as an embalmer, I would have made to embalm a hand. Now I know this is serious and I know I am losing a lot of blood and I know that I don't have much spare time. I tried to calm myself. I am squeezing my wrist. My palm is pushed so hard against the incision. 
And I opened the door with my essentially inner portion of my elbow because there is blood everywhere and I didn't want to get blood on the doorknob. The elbow was not working, so I took my hand off of my injured wrist and yes, a bloody sort of handprint remained on the doorknob, the door, the blood pooling in the dry clean room, the blood dripping at a moderate to severe manner is following me out this door to the right, to the bottom of the stairs to go up the stairs. Now, again, the care center the old one and even the new one are down a flight of stairs or an elevator that is accessible only to our staff. At the bottom of the stairs, I am extremely lightheaded and I'm trying to make my way quietly and calmly. I look up and magically at this moment in time, Megan, who was seven and a half months pregnant with our first child, so happened to be standing there. I look up at her and I said, I need to go to the hospital. And she sees the noticeable and very serious (laughs) incident, sight, whatever. There is blood all over the carpet, on the walls, on the baseboards, and I am not in a good way. I get to the back door after I get to the top of the stairs. Megan had directly to her left opened the janitor's closet there where our keys at the time were housed. It was such a swift and loud motion and grabbing for one set of keys. Multiple keys fall off of the key hangers. She runs to get a flower van. I am disoriented at this point and waddled down the stairs. I remember the door to the passenger side did not unlock because it had only been pressed on the keyless entry one and not two times. So once the door was unlocked, I get in and I said only one statement. I said, you need to get there fast and you need to run in there and tell them that I cut my wrist and I may have nicked my artery. This is at this point, the new hospital. The new hospital is down Highway 60 or in this instance, 4th Street, which is the street over from where Locust and Fifth are, where the funeral home is. Megan turned the hazard lights on to the (laughs) van that was wrapped Haley McGinnis everywhere. She drove faster than I've ever (laughs) I've ever driven in a city. She was driving in between the two lanes of traffic to the right and the two lanes to the left in 
the turning lane with the hazards on. And we got to the hospital from Haley McGinnis in six minutes. She did as I asked and ran in and a male nurse came out very swiftly, opened the door, had a wheelchair. I sat in the wheelchair and he plugged my wrist with his fingers. They got me right back there into, I would not call, well, in the emergency room itself, you have those rooms. It was not an operating room, but the waiting room was filled with people who were sick. But of course, due to the location and severity and the obvious sight, this could have been very serious. And my plugged wrist was tended to immediately getting multiple stitches. I believe I had stitches inside and as well as on the surface. The surface housed 13 stitches. And in all of this commotion, our seven and a half month pregnancy went into labor and contractions. And so what was once tending to my serious cut turned into because of the stress and anxiety preventing a premature labor. Megan did not go into labor, but did literally a few weeks later and prematurely had our kid. I left with tons of stitches and went back to the funeral home where I found my mother-in-law who knew nothing about what had happened, cleaning up what she said it looked like a pig slaughterhouse. There was blood everywhere. And by everywhere, I do mean everywhere. We found that blood for a week or more after the fact. Anytime we looked just somewhere else, there would be blood spatter. And I have to tell you, that was one of the scariest moments of my life because again after embalming for a while you know where you get results or what you need to do and I knew that I was in a proximity that was very dangerous for someone who was alive and talk about a fluke accident even at the hospital they were asking if I intended to hurt myself and telling the story of what happened, of course, alleviated that concern, but that is how scary that could have been. Moral of the story, there is no moral accidents happen. We replaced the sinks I was obviously unable to embalm for quite some time because never, ever, 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 ever take 
yourself and an open wound, a healing wound, something to something like a place that is not clean. Again, you just assume there are boogers everywhere. I have one gnarly scar and a ton of photos to prove this happened. And yes, the memory of the feeling of the sounds of why is ever real and present the moment I start talking about it. My neck is tense telling the story and it, Gross. Well, now you know. Now you know. So when we meet, when we encounter, and you see the massive scar on my right wrist, that is the story of the day. The Sink One, Nathan Zero. Story time is now over, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that where you are in this moment, you were not trying to eat a sandwich or a croissant in fact I hope that you didn't puke it was tough perhaps you've had a close call luckily I've never broken a bone but I've experienced a lot in the four walls and as the number of four walls continue to increase I'm grateful and appreciative for these memories and stories and finding the good in all of them I hope that you have joy in your heart and I hope that you feel a sense of hope. And I appreciate you meeting me here and there at Nathan Morse Music on TikTok, at Nathan Morse on Insta, on YouTube, streaming yet on Spotify, on Apple Music, on all the streaming platforms. Yes, music, podcasts, funerals. Oh my, be intentional. Be kind. I'll see you soon.